This program is brought to you by Bible Way Media, under the oversight of the elders of the Chipman Road Congregation in Lee Summit, Missouri. All right, we are getting started today. Good morning, Brother Zach. Hope morning. You're doing well, I know I started my morning off with some coffee. I think you said we're going to get some coffee later. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, you know, that was one of the things about coming up to, to this area was caribou coffee. Uh, and I've been there a total of one time so far now. <laughs> we got here in, the, in August. I've been there one time. But um, I guess I should introduce our programs. Now. This is Coffee with Zach and Russ. We do thank you for being here with us today. We hope to do this, I think, what, twice a month, maybe? Yeah, like that. We have our preachers meeting in the area today, and so we're doing this today. Here on the Tuesday, I think this, uh, we'll probably go out here on the Friday. And so we hope you'll uh, listen and, and encourage others to do the same thing. Uh, and Zach, I know you have some events going on with our Elisa. Those of you who don't know Zach, uh, Zach Hall is the preacher for the uh, Church of Christ here in Park Street in Elisa. And uh, well, there's, I know you have uh, Ladies' Day and Gospel Meetings and other things. Yeah, we've got a, we've got a Ladies' Day coming up uh, October the 21st uh, with Evelyn Bonner. And then the following Sunday, on October 22nd through Wednesday the 25th, uh, her husband, Mike Bonner, uh, is going to be uh, presenting a gospel meeting. And then on November the 11th, uh, we're actually having our first ever youth rally uh, there at Olathe. And uh, Brother Russ is actually uh, one of our speakers. And so we're excited about that. And we hope that God is glorified in all the things that we do. No doubt. Yeah, I always tell me feel hard up. I'm on the list, but uh, <laughs> no, we look forward to that in November. Man, I think what time is going by so fast. We just had that lectureship there in uh, Independence, and so that was on OABS, and we uh, well, not on OABS. Why did I say that? It was on OABS last year. It's on their YouTube channel, the Very Nice Street Church of Christ YouTube channel. Uh, and so if you go there, you can see all those lessons. Uh, Zach spoke on it, I spoke on it, and several others. I think we had six or seven other, uh, seven instructors total that spoke on that. So, uh, and in that same line, we are planning our lectureship uh, here in the spring. Uh, we're looking at the title or the theme, rather, of Restoring the Faith. And so that's going to be in the spring. We haven't set time, uh, date for that yet. We haven't even set speakers yet. It's pretty. Uh, much still in the works, but that is going to literally take place in the spring here at the uh, Chicken Royal Church of Christ here in Lee Summit, uh, Missouri. Um, now, our topic today, and this is going to be very casual, as I was telling Zach, uh, is that same idea of restoring the faith. And I know that you have seen things going on. Uh, we all have seen some things going on in the church, different places that are not in accordance to the word of God, to put it uh, mildly. You know, the Bible warns us through Deuteronomy, it warns us also in Revelation about not adding to the word of God and not taking away. And, but we definitely have seen uh, some of that. And uh, Zach, what are some things you want to talk about along the same line? Well, you know, when he first told me about, you know, restoring to the faith, there was two verses that immediately uh, popped into my head. The first one is Jude verse 3. Uh, you think about what Jude writes there, you know, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, uh, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith, which once delivered unto the saints. Now, you know, sometimes when I do my Bible studies, I 
I picture the rider. You know, I, I can just imagine Jude here. He's encouraged. Uh, he has this desire to write these brethren. And he says, you know, I wanted to write to you about the common salvation. And as I started to write this letter, whatever news or something must have reached him to where he said, you know what? As much as I want to write about this, I need to write to you about earnestly contending for the faith. And when we talk about earnestly contending for the faith, part of that is recognizing that sometimes people get away from the faith. You know, it's not this uh, denominational idea that you're once saved, always saved. We can stray from the faith. And so then along those lines, I turned uh, to, Ju uh, to Galatians, excuse me, Galatians chapter 6 uh, in verse number 1. And Paul writes uh, something very interesting here in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1 when he says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, we, uh, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so here you have Jude, he gives the warning. And then here Paul's saying, listen, listen, if you are spiritual, who's spiritual? Those that claim to be children of God. So it's not just any one person's responsibility. Mm -hmm. We have the obligation, the command to go to those individuals and restore them. And when we bear those burdens, as he says there in verse number two, uh, we fulfill the law. And so restoring the faith, bringing those that have maybe wandered back uh, it's so vital. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's so many that have, that leave, the people leave the church and leave the faith for different reasons. And none of them are ever good, yeah. you know, and people depart and, and start teaching things that are in contradiction to the word of God. And what, what I've seen, and I know you have seen as well, is when, especially here in the last year, uh, you see false doctrine, you talk to someone about it. And then we are those who come to talk to those who are teaching error are any of those who are being hateful, right? You know, people are saying they're being attacked and they're being challenged on their teaching. You know, if that's the case, the Apostle Paul is probably a very hateful person. Uh, but, you know, and that's why I always, I try to tell people when you say things like, I want to be like the Apostle Paul, um, you need to be careful with that because the Apostle Paul was not a coward. Uh, he also was one who, when he heard people saying and doing things he shouldn't, he called them out on it. Uh, he did so publicly. He did so privately. Uh, he, he did so uh, in, in written form. We have it here where we have records of him calling those individuals out. Um, and yet we have those who are not very happy when we do that. So it seems like more and more we're running to those who say we should set up against error, and then we, they get upset when we do exactly that. Um, I think about uh, I was thinking about that just this morning on the way here, Second Chronicles thirty-four, uh, when they find the word word of God, right? And and we find there in verse uh, twenty-one. I'm going to jump down here. It says, "Go inquire the Lord for me, and for those who are left left in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of, of the Lord is poured out on us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in the book." And so he points out very clearly that they are in the wrong because the word of God has not been kept. And then we drop down here in um, verse 24. 
He says, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I'll bring calamity on this place, on this inhabitant, on all, all the curses that are, that are written in the book, which that, which they have read before the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me. And he goes, Not about how they've forsaken him, but that, really that one phrase in verse 25 is not for us to know he's, he, they have forsaken God. But like you said here, you know, when you jump down to verse 26 and 27, he says, Vespin, the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire the Lord, this man shall speak to him, thus the Lord God of Israel, concerning the words you have heard, because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before God. When you heard his word against his place, against inhabitants, and you humbled yourself before me, and you tore your clothes and went before me, I also have heard you, says the Lord. And so, thank you, phone, for interrupting that podcast. But anyway, um, real life, folks. But if you look at verse 27, he tells us here that he is pleasing the sight of God because though they, they were doing things that were, we're not doing, they should be doing. But God heard him and he came and he changed, right? When he repented. And that's what you found there in verse 27. Uh, you humbled yourself before me and you tore your clothes and wept before me. And he says, I also have heard you, says the Lord. And so, you know, when people in our congregation start doing things that are not right, it doesn't mean they have to continue to do so, you know. And I know you have heard, I'm my specific question, not the answer to. Have you ever heard someone say, well, we've always done it this way? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think in the Bible, we find examples of that. It's worded a little bit differently. I think you find here, like in verse 21, uh, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord, their fathers did these things. So they could obviously say, well, everyone else has done this before us. This is always done. So we're going to keep on doing it. But it didn't make it right. And so to restore, means we have to bring it back to that original state, you know, back to what uh, the Bible says, not back to simply a form of what we think we should be doing. You know, reformation and restoration, there's a difference. Restoration is going all the way back. Reformation is just, everybody's calling me now today, aren't they? Um, I won't say who it is. I won't tease him that way, but anyway. Um, but restoration going all the way back, reformation of just reforming uh, to a certain extent. And we're talking about restoring the faith, not reforming it. And I've talked enough now, so go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, you talk about that, the idea of restoring and going back to the original. You know, I was looking there while you were talking and listening to you. You know, I used that passage in Galatians uh, 6, uh, 1 earlier. It says those are spiritual restore such one that word restore there and i'm not trying to get you know too deep into this but that word restore there's actually really interesting it's to mend what is broken or or rent to repair completely and you know the word was actually used a couple several other times in the new testament but one of the ones that i thought was interesting uh it's used in mark chapter one in verse 19 uh, and there it's just talking about uh, when you had James, uh, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, and they were there in the ship, and they were mending mm -hmm. their nets. And so they that word mending there is the same idea of restoring. Now, those fishermen, they wouldn't have wanted to, you know, just do it a little bit. They wanted that completely restored. That way, those nets could be useful. And so, you, you know, you talk about uh, congregations and, and sadly individuals that, you know, get off and uh, on various doctrines or whatever the case may be. And, you know, the point that you brought out, well, you know, we've always done it this way. Well, just because you've always done it this way doesn't mean that it was right. Mm 
Mm-hmm. You can be doing something wrong uh, for the first time. You've probably heard uh, this illustration before. This illustration is not uh, original to me. I heard it from another preacher at some point in time. But, you know, there was this couple. They were baking their holiday ham. The wives went down to cut the ham, cut the top off the ham, threw it away, put the rest in the oven. And her husband couldn't figure out why in the world she did that. And so, you know, she he asked her, you know, why did you do that? She goes, well, that's the way we've always done it. Let me, let me call my mom, and I'll, I'll ask my mom. So she called her mom, mom, why is it more to make this holiday ham that we cut the top off, throw it in the trash, and then put the rest in the oven? Mm-hmm. And her mom goes, well, you know, I don't know. That's the way your mom, you know, my mom always did it, your grandma. She's like, well, let's call her. And so they call grandma. And they go, well, grandma, why did we, why do you cut the top of your ham off, throw it away, and then put the rest in the oven? She said, because the whole ham wouldn't fit in my pan. Mm-hmm. And so these individuals were doing something that they had no idea why they were doing it. Yeah. And it didn't make sense why they did it. So just because you've done something for a, a long time doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you brought up. You brought up Israel, you know, I think about Josiah. When Josiah came to the throne, you know, he uh, was trying to get rid of all the idolatrous worship that was there in Judea. Remember, he sent those workers uh, into the temple. And when they were in the temple, what did they find? They found the book of the law. He commanded the scribes to read the book. And when he heard the law, Josiah's reaction was, you know, well, you know, we've been doing it this way for so long. We're good. No. He rent his clothes because he was wrong in the eyes of God. And I guess that's one of the things that saddens me is because sometimes when we talk about individuals, and I don't have anybody in particular in mind, so I, I hope nobody thinks that, but when you think of individuals that have wandered from the faith, sometimes we let pride hmm. get in the way. You know, I was thinking of somebody just the other day that they were uh mad about a certain situation i'm like well have you ever thought about going to these brothers and just apologizing for even if you've offended well i didn't do it so i'm never going to do it mm-hmm. why yeah. do we have that why aren't we willing to set our will and our things aside for the benefit of christ mm-hmm. isn't that what he did for us he did Regardless of what denominations teach, he didn't jump up and down with joy to go to the cross. Yeah. What was it in the garden that he prayed? And he prayed. Mm-hmm. If there's any other way, let's do that. We had to set our will aside sometimes to do what's right. Mm-hmm. And sadly, you have those that they won't do it. You know, and, and we think about, I think about sadly, um, we've been saying the word sadly a lot, but I think about how many times we hear people talk about doing certain things but when it comes right down to it we see some who don't want to do it you get quite upset about doing certain things you know calling out here well you know you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have done it that way why well i'm not here anymore lately it's just well i just i just don't think you should have done it that way um you know when you call out here you're not doing it because you hate that individual you're doing it because you know, First, we have the command to warn those who are, who are saying things and warn those who are hearing those things. And we have examples of that. The Apostle Paul did that. Uh, Christ, I mean, he called out the Pharisees all the time, uh, publicly. Uh, he did so um, without, he did so publicly and without ever going to them in private and saying, hey, you need to, you need to take care of this. Or I'm going to call you out. No, he did it right there for everybody. The Apostle Paul did the same thing. When he went to Peter, 
uh, yes, Peter, and, and confronted him about the hypocrisy he was doing and causing others like Barnum to be led astray by it. He didn't put him aside first. He went there and did it from everybody. Um, and so, does that mean we always have to do it that way? No. But when public, uh, is no error in calling out things are done publicly. Uh, especially when they've been doing, uh, I shouldn't say especially, but when it's done publicly, you have the right to publicly address it. And you also have the right to do so. Uh, um, uh, and you know, we think about how we realized later that it's been going on for a while. And so, I mean, that doesn't change it. Um, you know, I had, I've heard different things over the last year, two years, especially because of air concerning automatic forgiveness and uh, you know we have those that are now who um who have been teaching this renovated earth such things as that um those things are being taught publicly in public places at gospel meetings at lectureships um i shouldn't say lectureships but i know at gospel meetings they've been taught online in various videos and there's no error in calling out error uh, we are called to do that. And think about, when you go back to what we talked about earlier with Jude, there in, in the chapter of Jude, I was going to say Jude 1, but in Jude uh, verse 3, he says, I, I was dealing with you concerning our common salvation. And like he pointed out earlier, but he found, he realized later, he needs to uh, encourage them to contain the earnestly for the faith. Meaning, uh, like he pointed out before, you know, he wanted to talk to them and encourage them about their common salvation, the things, their, their common I uh, love the Lord, uh, but there was something to deal with. Um, when I was still in preaching school, I was filling in for a place, and um, and I wasn't preaching there, you know, on a regular basis. I just filling in, and I was there doing a Bible class. I wasn't teaching it; I was just listening. And uh, one of the one of the comments made was that we should all just uh, what was it? Focus on our core values and. Uh, to be honest, I wanted to throw up when I heard that. Because when I hear core values, I hear unity and diversity. And what that means is you accept those things which you, you focus on what you have in common. Uh, and then you basically ignore everything else. Well, that's unity and diversity. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that anywhere. Yeah. And so, you know, I was very disturbed by that. So I made some comments. I don't remember them because it's been so, so long ago. But I do, I do remember one that I made, and it was simply it was somebody said something along this line was, I don't see Peter or any of the apostles ever teaching focus on core values. Um, because their core value was follow God and his word, don't add to it or take away from it. That was their core message, you know, follow the word of God. Um, and so we hear stuff like that, and, and we have to think about, well, how do we come back from that? And the first thing is, I think acknowledging that there is a problem. Um, and I won't continue talking too much longer, but I think about, you know, when we address these things, and sometimes we want, we want to believe we live in a fairy tale world where nothing wrong ever happens. We don't want our children to see things that, that, would, that would imply that the church has issues when it does. Um, you know, it's like uh, getting sick and saying, I'm not going to the doctor, I'm not really sick, I'm fine, it going the problem. It doesn't go away. So, anyway, you have anything you want to say? Well, you know, you talk about, you know, one of the first things that has to be done is, you know, you have to acknowledge that you have a problem. And then I would add to that, once we can first acknowledge that there is a problem, then second, we have to look to the book mm -hmm. that helps us fix that problem. And, you know, a lot of 
um, a lot of air. You know, uh, I had a brother call me not too long ago. He was preparing a lesson about uh, issues that the church faced. And I'm thinking, man, that's a huge topic mm -hmm. uh, for one lesson. And so me and him were, were bouncing some ideas across. And, you know, he, he said something. He said, you know, a lot of the things that we see, and he mentioned even some of the errors that you've talked about in new heaven, new earth, things of that nature. It comes from, I think, a lack of respect for the word of God. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because just real quickly, not to just attack one doctrine, but, you know, you mentioned new heavens, new earth. And the problem that I've always had with that, how do people get around Second Peter chapter 3? Mm -hmm. When it literally says the earth is going to dissolve, the only way that I can get around that and say that we're going to have a new heaven, a new earth, is if I disregard mm -hmm. what God's word says. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a preacher that one time that told the story. And mm -hmm. I'll tell you, I am always bad about remembering names, but so I tr never try to take credit for examples that I give. Typically, they're never mine. <laughs> but he was telling a story that he went and preached a gospel meeting. And I know this one wasn't for me for fact, it was somebody else. But he went and preached a gospel meeting, and he was preaching a series of lessons out of the book of James. And so when this one particular lesson was over, he went to the back, as you know, preachers often do, and he was, you know, talking to people and shaking hands as, you know, that kind of happens. And this one little lady, old lady came up to him and said, you know, brother, so-and-so, that was a really good lesson, but I have a really, pro I have a problem with it. And, you know, he asked, he said, well, well, what, what was it? You know, thinking maybe he had said something wrong. And she goes, you know, those scriptures you referenced, they're not in my Bible. And he goes, well, you know, they're from the book of James. And she says, you say that, but those scriptures aren't in my Bible. And so out of curiosity, uh, the man had asked the lady, he's like, well, can I see your Bible? And so she said, sure. And so she handed it to him and he opened up to where the book of James should have been. And whether her or somebody before her had literally read the book of James uh, out of that Bible. Well, what is that? That's a lack of respect for God's word. And when we don't respect God's word, anything goes. Cain mm -hmm. didn't have a respect for God's word. And what did he do? He ended up killing his brother. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't understand. I've heard similar stories where people have, have done that, ripping out things or cutting out uh, words, verses out of the Bible. And I always wondered myself, not saying I'm a perfect person because I am far from it, but I always wonder, what do you help accomplish by, by cutting out verses or ripping out an entire book from your physical Bible? It's still there. Um, you know, it's, it's like going outside and picking down a speed limit sign on, on the road that you always drive down. And then expect not to get a ticket when you see that. <laughs> I mean, the law is still in place. I guess. Um, but it, I don't, you can't, I can't rightly, rightly explain the what the reason people do things, or why they do things. But I think we can have ideas if you don't like what it says. And there was another, I think it was a commentator, so you may remember this. I can't remember his name. Um, I mean, old, long ago. Um, uh, but anyway. Um, we want to have his book on any of our shells. I don't think anybody would, but uh, he he called James, James, the brightest trolley of the soul. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, that was uh, that was Martin Luther. Martin Luther, I thought that's who it was, I wasn't certain. Um, and so that was that's interesting, uh, because <laughs> it's interesting if someone said that about the book of the Bible, 
And also say at some point, some other point in time, he would, didn't want anyone to, to name a congregation after him, but just simply be Christians. Yeah. And against his wishes, their Lutheran church was born, and also against his wishes, and his music were used in those things as well. But the same guy says, yeah, which, if you think about that phrase, he basically saying the book of James is hollow. Well, he advocated for, I remember correctly, for um, uh, faith only. Right, right. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, so they're they're uh, adding uh, my my face. We had to work only. Um, so we have been uh, throughout all time. Um, but like you said, I don't I don't understand what we hope to accomplish. Um, you know, it's kind of like the person who who is one that they know they're in the wrong. They're living in whatever maybe maybe. Trying to guess um, what you say sometimes living in San Diego, I might be one too, but I'm spiritual there, just like that. But living in San Diego, a whole host of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they know that they're living in sin, so changing, they just say, you know what, I'm not coming to worship or to attend any kind of congregation because I know what the Bible's going to say about it, so I just say what. It's the same thing, right? You know, it doesn't change anything. You know, members of the church, so called, who don't attend and are not faithful anymore. Um, it's like trying to avoid the problem by staying away. It it doesn't it doesn't work. <laughs> At some point, you're going to face the music, and so, um, but yeah, uh, and I know we talked about a lot of problems. I think the next uh, next time, what the next week, the next time, I think we're going to talk a little bit more, maybe about some things we can do to try to uh, turn the page with yeah. some of that. Um, but yeah, there there are a lot of things out there, and of course, when we say all this. We don't want anyone to get the idea that the church is full of problems. But we have to be realistic and be honest and realize that there are problems that we need to be dealt with, you yeah. know. Um, I've heard, and I've heard it more than once, so I can't say that I can, that one person told me this because I've heard it more than once that, um, you know, I don't want my children to see the division in the church. What do we think they're going to see when they leave the home? They remember they remain a member of the church. What are they going to see? They're going to start to see some of the divisions. How are we going to explain that? Uh, and I'd much rather, in my judgment, that let my child see what the church is like and help them understand that the church is not perfect. It's, the church is made up of imperfect people. The church is perfect. The church is made up of imperfect people who choose to do things that are not wise and help them understand. Some things are going on, and how we can try to to write the ship, so to speak. So, do you have anything else to say before we close this? Well, you know, just just adding to that because you know that mm-hmm. comment. You know, I don't want my children to grow up and see division in the church. Division in the church is not something new. Yeah, Paul, when he wrote the book of first Corinthians. And if you read and study through that book, what you'll find out really quickly, it was was a congregation that had a whole slew of problems. They were Mm -hmm. misusing the Lord's supper. They were fighting over miraculous gifts. Uh, You have the terrible sin that's there in uh, first Corinthians chapter five. Mm -hmm. And so you've got all those things, but I've always found it interesting. The very first thing that Paul deals with in that book is division. Mm-hmm. And so there was division in the first century, and there's going to be division now. The thing is, we have to, A, recognize it, mm-hmm. and then B, correct it. Yeah. And then recognizing it and correct it 
we can't be afraid to address it. Yeah. And because sometimes, and I don't want to go over here, get into things that we are going to deal with in the future. But one of the things that I've noticed where people don't want to deal with vision, and you've probably heard this, too, well, I don't want to offend them mm-hmm. or hurt their feelings. Yeah. And, you know, if I'm teaching a doctrine that is wrong and divisive, I would pray that somebody would come to me because I would rather my feelings be hurt maybe for a short time mm-hmm. upon this earth than have to lose my soul for eternity. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I have never said this before because there's always those difficult lessons you get up and you think this is going to hurt somebody's feelings or somebody's going to be offended. But I've never, I can also say I've never gotten in the pulpit, and I'm sure you can say this too, and thought, I hope this makes somebody mad. <laughs> you know, that was never my intention. I've gotten in the pulpit knowing this is going to make someone mad. Um, and that doesn't bring me any joy. It's just that in the fantasy world, everyone is perfect. You can get up and preach on any topic marriage and divorce, against homosexuality, the necessity of baptism, all those types of things. And everyone be right there with you, right along the hallway. But that is not the world we live in. And part of the riding the ship is realizing that, one, some people are going to get offended, and we have to try to show them the truth. And when they're not willing to listen, recognize that we should do what we have to do, which is stand for the truth. And realize that is just going to help me have to be sometimes. And I'm like, I don't, I don't like hurting anyone's feelings or offending them or having people mad at but I understand that that's going to happen. It's happened in the past. It's going to happen in the future. And people were not at Christ. And I remember uh, one sister told uh, her husband, uh, you know, they didn't listen to Christ. At least she makes them listen to you. <laughs> no, but that is, one of all, first of all, hilarious. And second of all, spot on. Um, and same thing for us today. They don't always listen to Christ. They don't always listen to the apostles. We're not any different. That's right. All right, I'm going to be quiet here. I'm going to be done here today. We're going here um, in two weeks. We'll come back and do another lesson. We're aiming up things for every two lessons a month. And so I do think you're being here with Zach and I here on Coffee with Zach and Rust. And we hope to see you again next time. We thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Byway Media by visiting our website, bywaymedia.org. You can find all of our podcasts and all major podcast platforms. As always, we thank you for listening.